So we're in a series on James, um, and it's it's an awesome series. It's called Vital Christianity, um, and it, the book of James, as we're studying it, man, these these things that we're learning, studying, they are just vital to our faith, vital to our walk with the Lord. They're awesome stuff. I, I've encouraged us. There are so many passages in James that we should memorize, that we should know, that we should be locked and loaded with, not to prove how smart we are, because all we got to do is talk and disprove that, you know, but so that we can remind ourselves of his goodness, so that we can apply the word of God to life and to our walk and to see the results. So we're in James chapter one. Um, we're going to uh, read 17 and 18 uh, to start here. And, and then I'm really preaching on 19 through 21 tonight. So let's uh, let's read this. James one, verse 17 and 18. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. In the exercise of his will, he brought us forth by the word of truth so that we we would be a kind of first fruits among his creatures. Guys, as we're reading this, there's a couple things that immediately just, just stand out to me. Number one, our God is an intentional God, and he is dependable. He is intentional. He is intentional with his love. He is intentional with his creation. He is intentional with his purpose. He is intentional with his work. Our God is intentional. It says that of his own will, he chose to create us. And just prior to that, it talks about how dependable he is. There's no shifting shadow with him. He is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, next week, next month, forever. It was of his own free will that he brought us about. And what was his his delivery method? What did he choose to use? Answer, the word of truth. The word of truth. Who is the word of truth? Well, I gave it away. I gave it away. That's an easy answer. Because I said, who? Who's the word of truth? Jesus Christ. The life we have is because of the work of Jesus Christ. You guys, it is impossible for us to get up here and not make it about Jesus. It's it's impossible because the life that we've been given is through the completed, finished work of Jesus Christ. We glorify the Father. We exalt the Father. We worship the Father. We call upon the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. We yield to the Holy Spirit. When we get up here and we start talking about truth, Jesus is truth. Jesus is truth. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man can even get to the Father except through Jesus. And that's how God brought us about into this life. Paul says the same, uses the same phrase and calls it the gospel of our salvation. In Ephesians chapter 1, it says this, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him, with the Holy Spirit of promise. Love that. Love that tiny little phrase. The Holy Spirit of promise. We're in Christmas. We talk about giving. We have received the Holy Spirit who was promised to us, who was promised to guide us, to lead us into all truth, to guide us into the glory of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit of promise. 
We're making a mistake, church. We're making a mistake if we don't give room in our lives for the Holy Spirit to move, for the Holy Spirit to have His way, for the Holy Spirit to amaze us and overpower us. That might be scary to a lot of people. I don't want to be overpowered. Well, you do when it's the Holy Spirit. You do when it's just goodness and love. Between these two verses, what do we see? Between these two verses we read, we see promise. Promise. We see the promise of first fruits. In this passage from James 1 that we read, the promise of first fruits, that God will use us as first fruits. Now, when this was originally spoken, it was spoken, you know, back to the church uh, in Jerusalem, and, and, you know, they would be a first fruits, and they were. But the promise is still true for us. God will use us to bring an increase to future generations. God will use us as first fruits, as this set apart, special, anointed portion that is representative of promise. Let me read this passage in Ephesians the Holy Spirit of promise. It's important to note that, guys, and we read it at the beginning of verse 17 here. Every good thing comes from God. Every good thing comes from God. The promises of God are true. This is the point where I I need to just throw in the disclaimer. That those promises is not that we will have an easy life. That's, that's not in the Word of God. The opposite is. The opposite is. What we see in the Word of God is that we will have difficulties. And that, that God will use those to forge character. That we will be persecuted. And that the, the result of that will be the strengthening of His church. That, one, that one's a little tougher because that's one of those where we might not be there to see the fruit. But if our lives are going to be a first fruit, we can't make our lives about us. we got to give it away. God is faithful to give us the best and to use us as a promise of His faithfulness. How does He do that? How does He use us as, as a promise of His faithfulness? Here's how He does it. And I, I love this. If He will use little old, jacked up, flawed, sinful me, then my life can be a demonstration that He will use anybody. Paul says that. Paul says, I'm the worst of all sinners. Paul killed Christians. He might not have actually ever pulled the trigger, but he gave the order. Paul killed Christians when he was Saul. And then he encountered Jesus, the resurrected, victorious Jesus, and his life was changed. His name was changed. No longer Saul, but Paul. But he, he still, we see in that phrase, I, the worst of all sinners, I think he, he says that because he still carries part of that, that none of you have done what I've done. Oh, I don't know, Mark, I've done some pretty bad things. You killed any Christians this week? I mean, God is faithful. And by using us, even though we're flawed people, but in using us, it shows that He doesn't just use the ones that have their stuff together. He doesn't just use the ones that are polished. He doesn't just use Ken and Barbie, but He uses Shrek 
and My Little Pony. That wasn't in the notes. That was just, that was, I'm just flowing with it. As we approach the end of this chapter, this first chapter, this is what we have studied so far, okay? Just doing a brief recap. Um, at the beginning, we see a greeting. And that's chapter 1, verse 1. Then immediately, immediately in verse 2, we jump into content. We jump into practical faith and trials. James immediately takes us into, you're going to have trials. You're going to have difficulties. You're going to face them. You're in the midst of them. He starts off with outward adversities. Outward adversities. Outward difficulties. You're going to need endurance. This might not be a quick one. You're going to need endurance. You're going to have to walk it out. You're going to need wisdom. You're going to be beyond yourself. You're going to be beyond your own scope of information and knowledge and experience. And you're going to need God's wisdom. And you're going to have to call out. And then you're going to have to stand in faith, believing that he's going to give it to you. You're going to need it. financial extremes. The poor, the rich, both of you look to Jesus. Practical faith in trials. Outward adversities. And then, in verse 13, he turns it to inward enticements. You're going to face it out there, and you're going to face it right here. Lust. Temptations. You're going to be hit from out there and you're going to be hit from right within you. The lust of your flesh. This isn't something the devil's throwing at you. This is something you've yielded to. This is something you've got to stand against. And as we wrap up chapter 1, over the next couple weeks, we will study James' encouraging challenge of practical faith and God's word. Practical faith and God's word. Stuff that we've got to walk out. It's got to be practical. It's got to be daily. And it's vital. It's vital to our faith. It's vital to our relationship with the Lord. Walking it out. And in this section, we will see a very important theme and an outline. And it, it starts... It starts at the end of this chapter and it will continue for the rest of the book. And he and James will be aggressive and redundant and relentless with this theme. The theme. Be a doer of the word and not just a hearer. Be a doer of the word. It is not enough that you hear it. you got to do it. You've got to live it. You've got to put your money where your mouth is. Be a doer of the word. And here's the outline that we will see that will wrap up this chapter of the book of James. The outline is hear, receive, obey. Hear, receive, obey. Hear the word. Receive the word. Obey the word. And obedience to God's word is demonstrated. Obedience to God's word is demonstrated and acted upon and not just received. It's 
not enough to just receive it. It's got to be demonstrated and walked out and acted upon. There has to be action to our faith. Faith without works is dead. So tonight we're going to cover the first part of this outline. You know, I was, when I was thinking about this, this pattern, hear, receive, obey. Um, the other night, Kira and I were Christmas shopping. And so we were walking in the store. I won't say what store. Could have been any store. Could have been King Supers. I will say this. It's a store that has balls. Like every store has, but King Supers has balls. We were shopping for our kids at King Supers. And I grabbed a ball. And I looked at my wife. And she looks at me. I throw the ball in the air. She looks at the ball. She watches the ball hit the ground. We keep walking. She goes, aren't you going to go pick it up? I'm like, no, I threw it to you. You're the one who didn't catch it. There has to be a receiving. There has to be a receiving. There ain't no touchdown dance without the reception. But the, even the reception's not enough. There's still work to be done. There's a finishing work that needs to be done after the receiving has taken place, and that's obedience. James 1.19 This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I'm, I'm just, this is such a simple little passage. And I just want to break it down. I, I did study of what these words, the Greek words were for, you know, quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. The words were hear, speak, and anger. And, and here's what it says. Everyone must be quick to hear, quick to attend to, to consider what is said, to understand. To attend to, to understand, to consider what is said. That is what our hearing should be. It's not enough that, that we just hear sounds. There's got to be some, there's got to be a, a transition from the ears to the brain to the heart where the understanding is extended that we we hear him. We hear the Lord. I think that speaks of, of some sort of penetrating act. It can't just bounce off these eardrums and not produce any sort of acceptance. Slow to speak. This is wonderful. We all know what slow to speak means. We all know what slow to speak. I mean it's I mean this is not rocket science folks. But, but when you just listen to it, slow to declare your mind and share your thoughts. That's, that's the Greek translation of speak. Declare your mind and share your thoughts. And it says we're to be slow to do that. Why? Because when we're quick to do that, we're probably skipping that step of understanding and attending to and hearing Him. Right? Right? Quick to hear, slow to speak, and then slow to anger. And this is how anger, the, the translation of anger, agitation of the soul. The soul is 
our mind, our will, our emotions. That's what makes up our soul. So we're to, we're to be slow to agitation of our mind, will, and emotions. Slow to impulse, desire, any violent emotion, but especially anger. And check this out. And anger exhibited and used for punishment. How much of our behavior is punishing? How much of our behavior is punishing? I'll show her. I'll show him. That's punishing, folks. Uh, I'll prove them. That's still punishing. I'll prove them stupid. I mean, I'll, I'll prove them wrong. We're to be quick to hear, to attend to, to consider what is said. Quick to, or slow to speak, to declare our mind and share our thoughts. Slow to anger. Slow to agitation of the soul, to impulse and desire, and any violent emotion, especially anger and punishing behavior. This is one of those passages we should remember and apply. And apply exactly as it stands. We should hear this and apply it. Give consideration and thought to it and apply it. I, and this is not a surprise, it shouldn't shock anybody. Even the people, this is the first time you're here, this should not shock you. I talk a lot. I talk a lot. I talk. I talk in my sleep. I talk to myself. Good conversations. Real good. But I'm to be slow to speak. Why is that wrong? To de- Slow to declare my mind and share my thoughts. If we want God's thoughts and we want His mind, we can't be letting ours constantly be the voice that's ringing in our ears. And we, can't, we can't let ours be the one that's constantly overriding anything that God wants to say. You know, someone comes to us and shares something. Well, I'm just going through this difficulty. Well, here's what I think you should do. And we do it without pause. We just jump right into it. How about this? Man, let's let's pray. That's that's tough. But can we just lift this to the Lord? Lord, we lift it to you and we need you. We need you. We need your thoughts on this. We need your voice on this. We need your presence. God, we just need your presence right now. And in Jesus' name, amen. God's faithful. He's got he's got something. Pause. Then maybe what we had to say before, maybe it still applies, but maybe it doesn't. Because maybe God's got something entirely different. Or maybe God wants the silence. But what he doesn't want is the anger, the emotional outbursts. The emotional impulses. The vomit of the soul. Well, here's all of it. Blah. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. That's verse 20. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. What a curious phrase. What a curious choice of words. The anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Well, first let's answer this. What is the righteousness of God? What is righteousness? 
So this is what Strong's 1343 um, says is the righteousness of God. And I'm going to butcher the pronunciation. That's why I gave you the Strong's 1343 so you can look it up later. But here goes Diki Osuna. That was the Japanese. That was the Japanese. Oh, It was good. It was, it's the, 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 the Greek, it's the Japanese side of town. It was Japantown of Greece. So, konnichiwa. Ois rukai, Daniel-san. Ois rukai. All right. I don't know why my Greek sounds like Japanese, but there you go. Diki osuna. The righteousness of God. It says the condition acceptable to God. The condition acceptable to God. Integrity, virtue, purity of life, righteous correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. This is how this is defined, righteousness. A correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. What a... You're telling me that my feelings have to be submitted to God? Yes. You're telling them my feelings have to be righteous and there has to be a, a purity to them? Yes, I am. But I thought whatever feeling I felt was that that was genuine and I, I had the right to that. No, you don't. You don't have the right to that. Because anger is a, is a feeling. And it says right here we don't have the right to act in anger. Our feelings, even our feelings have to be submitted to God. This, once again, Strong's 1343. Look it up yourself. That's righteousness. It's a, it's, it's a total man surrender. So that's what righteousness is. So the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. For the agitation of the soul, the impulse, the desire does not achieve. This is amazing. I so dig this. The word achieve, here's how it's translated. It does not work with or do work with. It does not make gains by trading. It doesn't do business with. The anger of man doesn't do business with the righteousness of God. It's not a fair trade. You can't bring it and expect something good. doesn't work that way. God doesn't do business that way. That's awesome. Does not work with. It doesn't work with. The Bible says to be angry and sin not. Be angry and sin not. And there's a response of sin that takes place when we yield to these these impulses of emotions and it comes forth in, in this angry diatribe towards God, towards men, towards others. And it doesn't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work with attaining and achieving the righteousness of God. For the anger of man, the agitation of the soul, does not work or do work or make gains with the condition acceptable to God. Integrity, virtue, purity of life, rightness, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. God doesn't do business that way. God doesn't do business that way. No, it doesn't work. It's not a fair trade. I've got lots to give you, but not, not, not with these 
wild impulses of, of angry flesh. That's what it is. It's, it's this. It's flesh. It's, it's the will. It's the soul. It's our will. It's our mind. It's our emotions. Friends, we, all those things have to be submitted to God. Our will. Lord, I submit my will to you. You are Lord. In my life, you get your way. A surrendered will. Ooh, I really want to do that. But I'm not because in my life, you get your way. Ooh, I really want to tell that person off. But I'm not because in my life, you get your way. Ooh, I really want to whatever. But I'm not because in my life, you get your way. Will. Mind. I, I said it before, guys. Here's the battleground right here. Here's the battleground. We don't just, no one ever just spontaneously, oh my gosh, I can't believe I just, wow, I can't believe I just cheated on my wife. I can't believe that. What a surprise to me. No, it's not a surprise to you because you've been thinking on it for months and years and you've been entertaining thoughts and you've been entertaining lust. So it's not a surprise. You didn't just fall into this. None of us just fall into it. We entertain it. We allow it. Here's the battleground right here, our mind. What do we allow and what do we reject and what do we rebuke and what do we submit to? That, here's the battleground right here. Our emotions. Our emotions. We were created to be people of dominion. We were in in Genesis. We see that Adam was given a call to have dominion. To have dominion. That was the mission he was given. And it has not changed. We are to reign with God in dominion, in relationship. We rule our emotions. They don't rule us. Parents, we need to raise our kids. Their emotions don't reign them. We reign our emotions. You're sad. Okay. Sad is genuine and valid. Give me a hug. Hugs help. Let's pray. Prayer helps. Let's talk. Talking helps. Claim what is yours and claim what is God's. I know that trials and tests and difficulties come our way. And those things, they're part of life. They are. guys, it's a whole lot easier if our life is yielded and surrendered to God. Trials, difficulties, tests, they bring about irrational and unreasonable behavior. I know that. No one here is expecting anyone to be perfect. Spend a day with me. You will see I am not perfect. I'm a flawed man that God uses and receives glory from because if he'll use me, he'll use anybody. Emotional outbursts, here, I have them. 
But I tell you what, I, this is the honest truth. I have a whole lot less now than I did a year ago or two years ago or five years ago because I'm growing in him and my life is daily a surrendered act of giving my life to him. James 1.12, we read this a couple weeks ago, says, Blessed is a man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That word receive is a very key word. The word is lambano. Apparently my Greek is Italian now or Spanish or something. Lambano. That word receive. Here's what it means. To take or claims for to take or claim for oneself, to make one's own. Of that which when taken is not let go. To seize, to lay hold of, to apprehend, to take possession. To take possession. To grab a hold of and not let go. To take possession. To claim as your own. To take possession. See, I read it here in verse 12 that the crown of life is there to be received, to be grabbed a hold of, to be claimed, to take possession of, never to surrender, to, to lambano. But check this out. Exact same word. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has lambano you. No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, will provide the way of escape also so that you will be able to endure it. If we endure, if we endure, we lumbano. If we endure, we lumbano. We take possession of the crown of life. We take possession. But what does temptation want to do? Lombano us. Temptation wants to take possession of us. Temptation wants to overcome us. You guys, there's going to be possession of some sort. And if we're living with our eyes set on Christ, we're the ones that taken possession of the promise, of the crown, of the victory. We're the ones walking in dominion. We're the ones walking, taking possession. Which is our call, is our birthright. To take possession of the promise and to walk in that land. But you guys... There's a devil out there roaring, walking around like a roaring lion trying to consume, trying to steal, kill, and destroy. And if we're not on our toes and our life is not a life surrendered to God, then he will take possession of those things that are, that are rightfully ours. Peace. Peace is ours, you guys. Peace is ours. It's a promise. Rest. If you're having a tough time resting, it's a promise. The devil can't take that from you. If your mind is in turmoil... Jesus paid the price for that. Satan can't take that from you. Possess it. But in the, in the name of Jesus, by the work of Jesus Christ, I speak peace and rest over my mind right now. Mind be renewed by the Spirit of God. Man, I lay hands on myself all the time. In the name of Jesus, be at peace. Possession. I, I think it's cool. I mean, I didn't plan this to go along with Christmas time or anything. But this talk of possession and receiving. What are we going to receive, guys? Are we going to receive the fullness of what God has for us? For us to receive according to this passage, and we'll get we'll get into it more in two weeks. We gotta hear. 
the Word of God. We've got to receive the Word of God. We've got to obey the Word of God. And there's promise, and there's life, and there's hope, and there's healing, and there's deliverance. You guys, the things have, I read it intentionally. Verse 17, every good thing comes from the Father above. Every good thing. Everything, everything that's good comes from God. Let's be hearers of the Word. We've got to be hearers of the Word. But it can't end there. We hear it, we receive it, and then we become doers. I want to leave us with this. This is James 1, 18 through 20. Just taking all those translations I did uh, from the original Greek, this is, this is what those verses together say. My brothers, I truly love you. You know that God of his own free will chose to bring us into this new life through the completed work of Jesus. And the purpose of this new fruitful life that we have was for us to be a promise of even greater harvest to come. But know this as well. In order for us all to be this fruitful, we must first be quick to consider and understand what God says. Then we are to be slow to declare our minds and share our thoughts at the expense of this thoughtful consideration of Him. And finally, we must be slow to the agitation of our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions. Slow to that agitation in impulses, desires, and any violent emotions, but especially anger, and anger that's used to punish. Because the fruit of those angry, punishing outbursts don't work and doesn't benefit us in getting closer to Jesus. That's not how God does business. Because it isn't acceptable to God. And it doesn't result in integrity, character, purity, or correct behavior. Guys, life in Christ is a life abundant. It is a life that's full and rich. Being yielded and being surrendered doesn't mean we're a prisoner. That means that's the only way we can be free. Otherwise, we're... we're guys, we're going, to be, we're going to be possessed by something. You guys, we're going to be possessed by something. Possession is going to take place. We're either going to be possessed by the cares of this world, the desire to get ahead, the man holding us back. We're going to be possessed by something. How about the goodness of God? How about the peace, the love, the joy? the fruit of a life yielded to Him. And then in turn, we get in Him, since we're in Him, we get to possess a crown. Showing that we've been faithful running the race. Yeah, we've stumbled. Yeah, we stumbled. But we got back up. Yeah, we blew it. But we got back up. Because it's not about our righteousness, it's His righteousness, right? So that means we're going to fall. But we get back up. And we're, we're a little bloody. We're a little banged up. But we stay in the race. And then we're going to fall again. And then we're going to get tired and we might even, oh, I don't want to, okay. We walk it out. We walk it out. We're faithful in walking it out. Then we take possession. Let's pray.
Lord, we thank you for your word of truth, and we thank you that you are the word of truth. Lord Jesus, we look to you. You started our faith, and you are faithful to finish it. It's not on us to finish our faith. You began it in us. You birthed it in us. And you are the one that is faithful to complete it in us. And we give you thanks, and we give you praise. Lord, we give you our shortcomings. We give you our will. We yield it to you. We surrender it to you. Lord, we give the full spectrum of our emotions to you, Lord God. And we we need you to show us when we're crossing into sin in the expression of those emotions. Because, Lord, it's okay to be angry, but not to sin in the midst of the anger. It's okay to be whatever the emotion is, but not to sin in the midst of it. So, Lord, teach us. Teach us, Lord. We're hungry. We're hungry for you, Lord. We don't have all the answers, but we got you. And you are the answer. So, Lord, teach us. Grow us, Lord God. Church, right now, just agree with this. these words I'm going to pray. Lord, we purpose in our hearts to truly be hearers of your word. Lord, we purpose in our hearts to be quick to hear, quick to attend to, quick to understand you. Lord, we purpose in our hearts, we yield our will right now to be slow to speak and to express our brilliant opinions. Because we want your opinion, Lord. We want you to be right, Lord. Lord, we purpose in our hearts to be slow to anger. Lord, slow to punish. Slow to take revenge in our words, in our actions, in our emotions. Slow to the temper tantrums, Lord. Slow to the punishing behavior that does not glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen.